Welcome to the Flowcast. This is the podcast for information and inspiration on your journey to finding your flow. So speaking of recovery, the topic of today is all about our favorite recovery methods. And (laughs) obviously like recovery is such a long and complicated and detailed process that we can't you know break apart every single aspect of recovery today but i think it would be fun to talk about our favorite recovery methods how it ties into some of the you know how it ties into some of the athletes or or people we know and Mm. what they're doing what we're doing ourselves and all of that stuff so uh yeah it's also a good time because with the Raptors winning last night. Yeah. One thing I didn't take one of my favorite recovery methods, sleep <laughs> as much of a priority as I should have or could have last night just because I wanted to stay up and see if they could yeah. actually pull it off. And, you know, just thinking about what type of recovery goes into those professional athletes and mm-hmm. seeing the Golden State Warriors had two big injuries that, really set them back in the in the playoffs in the finals so just kind of tying into some of those things as well and and keeping in mind the importance of recovery for injury prevention Mm. so do you what's what are like what's your favorite recovery method or what Mm. what's kind of key the few key things that you like to incorporate or encourage people to use Um, I mean, you've already said my favorite, which is sleep. I think that people don't realize how much repair your body does when you sleep. And so that's one of the most important things for athletes and and humans in general. Anyone who uh, exists, really, like I we're we're talking about athletic recovery, but also I think I've heard it said, you know, you can perform in athletics or you can perform by living your everyday life. And to recover from either one of those things, sleep is really beneficial. Um, so that's my favorite one, but I also, I, I'm a big like preventative measures kind of person. So setting yourself up with a really good diet that's going to keep your body healthy is going to give you one, the capabilities to go further and two, quicker, quicker recovery. So if you're eating adequate protein, adequate healthy fats and adequate, um, good carbs, then your body is going to perform a lot better and recover a lot quicker. So those are things I'd say like my two favorite is good diet to prevent and uh, good sleep to help your body heal. Yeah, that's a that's a great foundation. And I think uh, probably it's looking at the recovery pyramid, right? Those things are the, the foundation of mm-hmm. it. And if you don't have those in place, anything else that you're doing is really the icing on the cake that isn't going to make a huge difference if yeah. those those pillars are not not set in stone so definitely the sleep and sleep quality and diet and you know every everybody that studies recovery or is is in this field really in depth those are the things that they're explaining and and encouraging and it's not going for some latest fad or or anything like that as far as like recovery tool goes different modality that uh, even some of the ones that we see the professional athletes using or or being you know 
influential over kind of being sponsored most likely by it's even even those even those sports performance experts on the the teams nine times out of ten they're looking at the sleep and the diet and fixing those things and that usually covers most of the problems anyway oh yeah so those are those are definitely a big deal um and with with sleep and sleep quality you know it's it's knowing and feeling what's best and what's mm-hmm. necessary for you and if we're going to like the sports recovery side of it it often means more sleep yeah or including naps or recovery sometime through the day that's also a really cool way that you know floating can come into play yeah. is there are teams a lot of teams incorporating that as part of their nap structure or part of their like daily recovery practice because it's such a, a deep state of relaxation that you can get into very much like sleep mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of accelerating that recovery when you don't have the full time to get like, you know, a, a deep sleep during the daytime um, on top of, on top of the normal sleep though, like LeBron talks about getting 10 hours of sleep every night consistently and usually incorporating a nap, like a lot of, uh, a lot of NBA players are having either pregame naps or naps even throughout the training season, like hmm. before they go to practice and everything like that. That'd be great, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ten hours of sleep and a two-hour nap and you're good to go. <laughs> I know I've never been one for napping, so it's always been super important for me mm-hmm. to get that adequate sleep at night especially when like training getting ready for a competition it's always important and i i can very acutely sense when sleep's not been enough because you know improvements in training aren't as as rapid or progressing the way i would hope or expect and just like the amount of energy and everything that i have to put into into uh, any given training or competition is 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 limited because um for me like the sweet spot ends up being getting eight hours of sleep which usually means eight and a half hours of bedtime Mm -hmm. at least um when when it's really that that crunch time for me and yeah on the on the diet side of it like it's it's what your body's made up of right Mm -hmm. and so if if you're using the wrong building blocks and the wrong nutrients and not getting those in place then you're really lacking in a, in a major area mm-hmm. and i know paul check in his book how to eat move and be healthy talks about the athletes he works with and their susceptibility to injury based on what they're eating mm-hmm. and their the quality of the nutrients that they're getting and so he can see that the athletes that have poorer diets are getting injured more often or more frequently or more severely because their bodies just aren't and you know he's saying his their bodies aren't made up of the same quality of of structures of building blocks hmm i like that i mean it's that reminds me of just how you know old ladies break their hips because they, apparently they're not getting enough calcium or whatever the doctors say and so it's i don't know why we don't employ that knowledge when we're younger and and you know feed our body what it's made of now so that we avoid those injuries when we're older but also in performance way like I see I mean it's hard socially 
this way. Like, you see these young dudes, like, pounding back fried chicken and then going to the gym and wondering why they're lethargic and <laughs> breaking out all the time. And, and then they all have, like, rotator cuff injuries and all that good stuff. Um, like, it, it's hard in that sense to kind of, you know, have that proper diet socially. But it really does make an impact. Like, if you're serious about your fitness, regardless of what you do, food needs to be a staple, especially for recovery, but also for performance. Mm. Like, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've experienced this as a human. We, I think we all have. If you don't eat well the day before and then you try to do a workout, you're not lifting the same amount of weights or you're not feeling the same about your lifts, either mentally or physically, as you would be if you had like a clean diet day. Yeah, totally. And that's an important point to make. It's a lot of people think of like the game day nutrition <laughs> or the nutrition of the day of. But it also is before and actually the the longer that you train and go down the path of whatever sport or, you know, even just working out, you'll find that the day before nutrition, like you just said, mm -hmm. is more important. You can because that stuff is still being digested, absorbed, assimilated for up to 48 hours sometimes. So you've got nutrition in your system and you've got nutrients in your system that are still being processed still circulating and depending on obviously depending on like your metabolic rate and like your specific metabolism it'll kind of fluctuate from that like 24 to 48 hour range but that's where yeah like getting that extra those carbs aren't going to be as useful right before but the night before or the day before is where you can really get a lot more benefit if it comes down to performance and um and then yeah the overall quality as well so the getting those greens and those veggies that the amount of antioxidants that you're getting in mm -hmm. just allows your body to function more and those are things to keep in mind on a consistent overall basis yeah. you're not going to make a difference with something like that in just one day i think that there is there is definitely a notice a noticeable difference in quality of training or performance from the kind of like the meat and potatoes of it like the carbs and the protein you're getting in and avoiding processed foods mm -hmm. or things that don't digest well but those those other things that are kind of more like the the micronutrients have to be more consistent and on an overall longer scale yeah yeah your body needs to have those stores and able to use them it's kind of like I don't know if you have one really good sleep, but then the rest of your month is like choppy sleeps or five hour sleeps. It's not going to your body's still going to be struggling from that. Right. And if you have one day of really healthy eating, it's good. Good for you. But it's uh, yeah, that long term consistency is what the body wants, because the body's always chasing this this homeostatic point. So we're looking for things to be consistent. And if your diet's consistent, your body's going to work really efficiently. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and so another thing that goes into this is, is like the relaxation that you get from your recovery methods. Mm -hmm. And so I think, uh, so I just finished reading this book, good to go, which is all about the, the science of recovery and looking at a whole bunch of these different recovery techniques, some more well validated by science, others more on like the, the edge of is this something that's just being really well marketed and sold to people? And 
essentially like one of the one of the main takeaways is that these recovery techniques work best when they're things that reduce stress or actually help you to relax Mm -hmm. and so it's not always that it's the right or wrong approach there are some things that you kind of want to take a step back and, and really evaluate if it's going to do anything for you uh but but others where it's kind of the ones that you can pick and choose what feels best for you and i think that's kind of that's that's also like essential to what we've done here at flow spa is mm-hmm. is made up these different recovery techniques for people to pick and choose and there's also a lot of good evidence for the ones and like what we choose yeah. to actually promote here and now and it, it's interesting because in the book she's the, i i don't agree with everything she says because she's on the fence with some things uh particularly the one that she's kind of battles against quite a bit is the is the the hot or like the cold tubs mm, okay. and and i understand her logic in it but she didn't really like approach the full answer she did she did get there slightly but she kind of portrayed it still in a bit of a negative aspect but i think in my opinion like the very best my favorite recovery technique is the cold tub um for that more immediate recovery if if we're looking at like overall like the most enjoyable and everything then floating is really great too uh just because like we already said it's like sleep and it's like an extra rest but there's other cool things that come into play with it as well but with the cold tubs uh the thing that she does kind of touch on but not really get into a whole lot is that most of the most of the researchers and and the experts in this whole cryotherapy science and kind of understanding the benefits of cold and uh, and cold stress on the body is that you're not you're not supposed to and you're not doing it immediately after training which is where a lot of the the experts she was in interviewing and everything we're talking about cold immediately after training mm. or shortly after training. And we know cold is an anti-inflammatory. And after training, you really need to get that inflammatory response to create that that um, metabolic pathway for muscle protein synthesis. So, you know, hypertrophy and, and muscle strength gains. And those can really be blocked and have been shown to be blocked by cold water immersion or any kind of like cold use and so it's not about doing it immediately after training, mm-hmm. which is what we see with like NFL players or athletes are, are jumping in the cold tubs right after training or sorry, right after games. Um, and that's kind of a different story. But when it comes to training, it's being more sensible about doing it on your off days or when you're like super trashed and you need to get back to training again. Mm-hmm. You can't always just wait if if you've overextended yourself a little bit, you can't always just wait another week to train the same movement pattern just mm-hmm. because you're completely sore or whatever. It's a signal that maybe you went too far and you need to throttle it back a little bit next time, but you've still got to keep the train rolling forward in the meantime. And that's where something like cold can really come into play and, and be beneficial. And there's also, I think, a more of a macro lens to this as well in that, I, I did like this point and I hadn't really thought of it before, but in the book she mentions 
it may be something that's utilized more during the season, like the actual competitive season, where you do want that turnaround time. You're no longer building up so much. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're now in performance mode, and it's more about like continuing to perform and cut down that inflammation. And in the off season, when you're trying to constantly build up, maybe when it's a better time to like not do as much cold because you want that constant and steady progression and um, and adaptation to the training and the stress response from training. Um, so there's two different things, but there's also, uh, th- yeah, those are two different things that athletes can really take into play mm-hmm. with, with cold um, and cold exposure, cold water exposure primarily. Not as much of a fan of cryo, like cryotherapy with like liquid nitrogen. Yeah. It's there's been a lot of cases of people getting like frostbite and things like that, and it's just not as effective. It doesn't um, it doesn't actually cool the muscles as much as the cold water because of the basically air is not as good of a conductor of heat as water is, and so it's really not as effective as the cold water, even though it it, it's it is and that's why some people say it's easier to do. Actually, you're only in it for two to three minutes, but it's not doing the same thing as like a, a two to three minute cold tub. Or if you're doing contrast back and forth, you can extend that time quite a bit and get up to like 15 or 15 minutes or so of cold water exposure right. um, for a prolonged and, and even more amplified uh, recovery response and anti-inflammatory response. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, those are some of the things as far as the recovery aspect of cold water goes for sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on, I think you made a good point um, that should be brought up. Like when athletes are in go time, so let's say Raptors game time, not just training, um, they're not exactly the best example for like us to say, oh, they're doing that. I should do that too because they're um, – the way that they're performing and the way that they need to recover so immediately is not realistic for the average person um, or athletes who are on off season mm-hmm. because they're they're needing that rapid turnaround and it's not necessarily that healthy on the body but they train for that this is like the big the big event and it lasts a little longer for them which is why they need that immediate turnaround um, but yeah I think it's important to not see athletes as like the answer of what I should do in terms of my recovery. But however, like he's like instead of just doing my workout and jumping in a cold tank, because then all of a sudden my body, my central nervous system is just all stressed out and has no idea what has just happened. It hasn't had time to settle in. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing that hot cold therapy, you know, the day after a tough workout, really beneficial because it promotes blood flow, and that kind of leads me into my my next favorite recovery is just promoting blood flow to. Mm-hmm the affected area, be it your whole body or be it a specific muscle group. Um, and how you do that can have, can come in different ways. Like we've got the Norma tech, which is really awesome for promoting blood flow. Um, which I guess just to break it down, blood flow brings those nutrients and it brings oxygen and it helps just repair. So if you can localize blood flow to the muscle that's sore, um, it's going to speed up the recovery process. So you could do the Normatec, you can do the hot cold. That's essentially what's happening, right? Is that you're restricting blood flow and then you're really letting that open up. And it's like this rush of really healthy healing blood for your muscle. Um, you can do it like if it's kind of a minor need to recover, you could do it through walking. Um, some people like to go for a small jog, that kind of thing, like just to get things moving. So cardio can be a sort of recovery technique as long mm-hmm. as you don't go too crazy with it. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, like things to bring down your cortisol levels. Because ultimately, if you have high cortisol, you're in fight or flight. And stressing out your sympathetic nervous system like that, like if you read the science on what the sympathetic nervous system does, it shuts off the normal functions of the body. So you don't digest, which means you're not getting your macronutrients in, you're not getting your micronutrients in. Um, You don't assimilate these foods and then you're not getting proper sleep because your adrenaline's pumping, like your bladder shuts off, like all these things um, that are unnecessary in the state of an emergency. But if your cortisol is high all the time, your body thinks you're in an emergency all the time and you're not going to recover well. You're probably not going to perform well either and you're not going to sleep well. So any sort of relaxation. So I, that's what I like yoga for because it mm-hmm. brings blood flow and depending on what kind of yoga you can you do because you can do yoga that's exhausting and crazy or you can do yoga that's a little more restorative and that right. just helps kind of stretch your joints out and bring some blood flow to areas that it's been otherwise neglected and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, totally. And um, what about, so you said doing yoga, now that you're into doing the animal flow as well, mm. is there any kind of, is that more challenging or is it something that would be appropriate to use in recovery mode? Um, is it something that you're kind of incorporating or mm. hoping to incorporate? So animal flow, despite what it looks like, is definitely not for recovery. Um, Yes, it improves mobility. Yes, it brings blood flow to the body, but it is quite exhaustive. Like it almost feels like, I mean, a hit workout, if you will. Like you end up pretty gassed and everything's burning and you're like, oh, okay. However, what I really like about it, and I'll say this, it's more that um, how I said diet needs to be like a preventative measure before it can just be like an emergency restorative measure. I think that animal flow is a really, really awesome way to prevent injury because it is helping uh, build a lot of core strength. It's helping build a lot of balance. It's really awesome for the rotator cuffs if you use it correctly. Um, So shoulder injuries are at the window. It's really good for the groins. So a lot of hockey players would benefit from this because their groins are a big mess. Um, That kind of thing. So using it like intra-workout, if you will, is a really helpful way to um, just basically better your body. So that's what I like to use it for is I'll, if I'm going in for like some sort of heavy lifting day, I'll superset with animal flow. Um, That being said, also what I really like about it is that you have to be really aware of your body. You don't have to be super aware of your body in a deadlift. You just have to know that the weight has to get up, right? And and there is form that you need to be aware of, I should specify, but the little intricacies, like in animal flow, you have to feel where all your fingers are on the ground and you have to feel where all your toes are on the ground and your knees, what like where are they located in all of this? And so there's a lot of mechanics that go into it. Um, that being said, with all those mechanics, it gives you an opportunity to do a body scan and see kind of what what's hurting, what's not feeling so great in the little muscles, because it's often those little muscles that we don't pay a lot of attention to are stabilizers that can cause us injury if we're not, you know, giving them the, the care and love they need. <laughs> so, so yeah, I wouldn't use animal flow on a day that I'm like really sore because I don't think that I'm going to benefit from that. However, using it as like a preventative measure for injury is definitely going to set you ahead. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure because it always looked, you know, very methodical and, and moving well. Perhaps, I don't know, we'll, we'll revisit it maybe once you've like 
mm-hmm. become much better. I, I would have to imagine like it's not as challenging perhaps once you like really have yeah, dialed in. But maybe I'm wrong too. Well, well, I, I'm curious to know. Yeah, I'm not but sure. But definitely in the preventative way, I do like that idea and see great benefit in that because mm-hmm. that's really, uh, yeah, essential to recovery as well is is getting to that point before it becomes too severe, which, um, I mean, we even saw in the in the the finals with Kevin Durant. You know, he came back from an injury before he was fully recovered, and a lot of the so-called you know experts were saying like it was too soon for him to come back, and then lo and behold, he tears his Achilles <laughs> and is out. And now people are saying he may never play the same again. That kind of stuff can happen when uh, when you try to come back from injury too soon. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well is is being sensible about either getting you know a professional opinion or really being, as you said, aware of your body and how mm-hmm. it's functioning when you're trying to bounce back from injuries or even just uh even just that recovery from training session to training session can you can come, you can definitely push it too far if if those micro tears in the muscles are are you know really wearing you down and then you're either compensating with form changes mm-hmm. or it's still a susceptible muscle that needs to be you know a little more gingerly approached when when trying to do that um and then another another thing that really ties into this this recovery concept and a favorite part of recovery for me is is the it's the recovery of the mind which we don't really mm. keep in in uh, in our in our minds as much we don't think about that we're always thinking about our bodies and how they need to recover in one way or another but I, as as kind of is essential and like the the core to this whole conversation of flow it's it's all about your mind state right and you've really got to nourish that as well and and mm-hmm. let it restore and so that's where things like uh, whether whether it's for physical performance or mental performance, but you've got to have those times where you, you turn your brain off and that could be floating or it could just be your daily meditation practice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's good. I, in my opinion, it's something that needs to be done every day and it doesn't happen so much. You're, you're, it doesn't happen so much without that conscious effort. So it, when you're sleeping, your brain's still doing a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's still processing new memory formation. You're dreaming. You're there's still a whole lot of things going on, and it takes that conscious effort to quiet your mind when you're awake to do to get to this deep state and quiet mind. Because, um, base well, basically, if you if you went about it without ever meditating or doing anything to quiet your mind when you're awake. And you just said, oh, I don't need to do that because when I sleep, my brain's turned off, my mind's turned off. How well is that going to work for you when you actually do need to quiet your mind and focus on something? Mm -hmm. It doesn't work very well. 
it, it takes that that effort and doing those reps of mental activity of focusing you know in the present moment focusing on a single thing whether it's your breath or your body awareness uh, or simply trying to get to that absolute nothing of thought and every time a thought comes up not judging it and letting it go away and that's you know inherent to a lot of these different meditative techniques and it's something that's really important for the flow state and and this mental recovery that we're talking about too and Mm -hmm. and even the stress mitigation because it's a lot of stress comes from that constant anxiety uh and that constant like uh everything stacked on top of each other as far as thoughts go and then they just snowball out of control Mm -hmm. so that's something to keep in mind as well with recovery aspects and as as you're going about this this thought process of how you're recovering the things to keep in mind right we're building this this pyramid of things and i actually i think now i'm going to include another one in it so at the base i think is really important is sleep probably i'd say sleep's number one Mm -hmm. and after sleep comes nutrition including hydration Uh, i would say that's kind of the the next stack and then after that would be the mind aspect and letting that rest and recover and then everything else would be the icing on the cake so Mm -hmm. keep those those three pillars in mind when you're when you're trying to create your own recovery routine or check off the boxes of what you've done on your on the macro scale of probably like a, a weekly basis you kind of want these things all really to be prioritized one night of sleep deprivations not going to to kill you as long as you're mm-hmm. bringing it back up i know matthew walker is sort of opposed to that idea and says that you can never repay your sleep debt and he's like the world foremost expert on sleep but uh most people can get by without it and still function properly it may require if it's coming down to training you might not have your your best workout or whatever that day but this is something i've said in in preparation of competitions before you don't always sleep the best the night before a competition actually Mm -hmm. you very rarely do a lot of people have too much anxiety and nerves about the upcoming competition their minds racing about the events whatever it is or i mean i'm I'm looking at it from the strongman lens of different events but or game time Mm -hmm. whatever so you want to get that sleep the week before that extra sleep that you can kind of balance it out with and really make sure that's dialed in and same thing with nutrition like the morning of a competition or a game you're not eating a whole lot like the nerves are are there and because you're already in that nervous mode like you said sns turns off all of that rest and digest stuff Mm -hmm. and so you don't digest the food well and i've over time gotten better at being able to relax enough to eat a bigger meal and kind of get that fuel into my body but a lot of people still don't and so that's where the night before you really want to dial in that nutrition 
and uh, and the week prior too, mm-hmm. really making sure that your macronutrients and micronutrients are all fulfilled and even in a surplus as much as possible yeah. if you're not, for example, doing like a weight cut kind of event or whatever yeah. um, or like a bodybuilding event. There's certain things where you have to be more mindful of the amount of calories being taken in, but usually you want to actually stack a little bit of extra fuel in the yeah. system prior to big game time or or competitions mm-hmm. and then paying attention to the mind um and and how you're resting that recovering that if it's leading up to a, a game or a competition you you want to really get the stress out of your life as much as possible mm-hmm. it's not always realistic but you want to try to do your best with that mm-hmm. and um and then with the mind and like we said sort of it's it's a meditative aspect so there's also the breathing that's involved and, and the and being able to incorporate some relaxing breath work because that's going to also mitigate a lot of stress mm-hmm. and and balance out your your parasympathetic nervous system with with that anxiety that may be building as you're leading up to some sort of big event or competition or if you're looking at this just on your like daily or your weekly scale of um of like work life balance and everything uh keep keep that in mind as well and then anything else on top of that would be the icing on the cake so whether that's like you're going to schedule in a massage or normatech mm-hmm. uh, infrared sauna hot and cold tub floating whatever modalities feel good for you and that you like uh it could be acupuncture there's so many different things oh, yeah. um and when it comes to this is sort of a, a whole different topic that we'll we'll do another day for sure, but the the competition preparation or mm-hmm. before something, you don't want to change things last minute. So those those extra pieces or those extra touches may be done a few days in advance to give yourself an extra surge of of recovery or relaxation. But you don't I in my opinion it's not best done unless you know how well it works for your body it's not best done like the night before or the day before Mm -hmm. especially some things like acupuncture that could leave your muscles relaxed but also they've been fired you know with if it's like a a, an electro stim acupuncture then they've been fired and they may be functioning properly but you might have a little bit of residual soreness there too Mm -hmm. and it yeah it just kind of changes the way that your muscles interact with each other right because that's the whole idea is to bring down inflammation and Sometimes in terms of competition, like competition, competition, <laughs> having having a, a, for example, I'll just speak to powerlifting, like having a bit of internal rotation in your shoulders in everyday life, not so good. Having internal rotation in your shoulders as a powerlifter is going to give you a stronger bench. So doing something that's going to open up your chest, like getting a massage or acupuncture or even doing yoga for that matter, not the best before a competition. You kind of want your body to know that pattern and that pattern only Mm. for that moment. Um, But I just wanted to go back and talk mind real quick. um, Just to kind of make it make more sense for people like meditation is important in general and I think we should all do it and that's my blanket statement. But I think people don't realize that busy minds is still a busy body. Like we have this weird idea thanks to Western psychology that we have the body and we have the mind and you can, you know, separate them, but they're not. It's the whole unit and like no one can say that their mind is outside of their body. So that being said, if your mind is super busy, 
that's stress on your body. That's cortisol. That's sympathetic nervous system. So even if your body's not moving, but you're constantly going through, you know, like it's like, you know, a long drive. You drive for six hours and everyone's exhausted after that. Why is that? Because your mind was so busy. Your brain was so active. Like you had to focus on things. You had to think about things. You had to quiet your road rage (laughs) or express it. Um, So just understanding that like your body's not going to recover if you have that cortisol or it's not going to recover well or quickly. So doing anything you can, which is with the mind to reduce that cortisol is going to be really helpful. So that's kind of my rationale personally as to why meditation or for me, it's like the Shavasana at the end of yoga where you're just laying there and it's the same as meditation essentially, but just letting everything kind of sink in and letting your body register, register everything you just did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my two cents on the importance of meditation and I also think it's really important for performance, like all of these things. I think that they're important for recovery and performance Yeah. Um, in the sense that like if you know how to get yourself into flow state or if you have tools to get yourself there, you're going to compete with a lot more peace, which is going to allow you to do your thing without worrying about everything going around you or every like what other people are thinking or those like limiting beliefs of yourself that kind of weasel into your brain when you're in a vulnerable position mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I think it's going to help you on both sides so I would argue that that's another preventative thing like if we're saying sleep nutrition and meditation like do this consistently it'll help you perform and it will help you after right these are almost just like the building blocks of how to be a great human <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah definitely uh, I agree with that and then yeah um, everything else is just the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Although I guess another thing that's probably, I think that you would probably include in your, even, even if you don't acknowledge, acknowledge it as much as a recovery thing would be like the nature involvement. Oh, yeah. in, and that's super relaxing, de-stressing on the body to just get outside. And, and as we talked about, like last week, unplug from mm-hmm. everything too. And it, it makes a really big difference um, yeah. on on our mental state, our stress levels, and our physical stress levels as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I said it in a in a previous podcast, but your your brain and your body are really really happy in nature. Like it's just that moment where you're kind of, huh, and it's because. <clears throat> your brain is occupied. You've got all your senses covered. So there's that sense of touch if you're walking on the ground or if maybe you're touching the leaves as you walk by with trees. Um, You've got a sense of smell, like that nice fresh air. You've got the visual stimulation. You've got the auditory stimulation. So there's all these things that are stimulating your body in a really gentle way that is occupying your brain so that it can't do all these other, like in order to be present in nature, you can't do all these other, you know, overthinking or busy mind or why not? So if you can practice presence in nature, I think that might be a really good baby step into meditation, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but also, yeah, I find the first thing I do, and, and I don't acknowledge it because it's so normal for me, so thank you for bringing it up. If I'm stressed, I go to the woods. Like, that's step one. And I I don't go to think about things. I don't go to solve all the problems of the world. I go to just take a minute. And... Uh, I think that that might be a little underrated and maybe maybe we can bring gr- groups of athletes out for some woodsy walks or something but <laughs> yeah that would actually be it pretty is. good although I think you and I both 
usually go for solitudes. <laughs> it's yeah. like it would have to be a little bit of a different yeah. thing than our we normal routine. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something to include or consider including. Um, whether it, I, it, it kind of trickles in there with like the mind and and things like that. It's not so much like something superfluous. It's part of it's part of the the core as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are some things to keep in mind for recovery and yeah. our favorite things to do for sure yeah um, sorry there's no magic pill like i think people wanted a supplement or you know something to take and they're good to go yeah i no, trained this the... uh, young hockey player and he's uh he's all excited because all the other boys are doing all these like you know they're drinking bio steel and they're taking creatine and they're doing all these things and he always asks me like okay can i have this and i'm like no, <laughs> like I need you to have sleep and I need you to have a good diet and don't worry about the sugary drinks. It's mm. not going to help you. But yeah, so basically we're just saying take care of your whole self all yeah, the time. Totally. <laughs> and uh, your life will be a lot more efficient and so will your recovery. Yeah. I mean, we didn't we didn't touch a whole lot on those those so-called like snake oil aspects of recovery today just because it's a long topic. So um essentially yeah we're today we're picking out the things that are our favorites and we know to be good and to work Mm -hmm. the other things you can try it like i said if it if it helps you to like reduce stress in some way it's not the end of the world Mm -hmm. but is it going to be as effective as these pillars to to good recovery the answer is no yeah so uh, just keep that in mind and i mean if you've got questions about a specific thing send it our way because we'll either answer it on the podcast or mm-hmm. send you some more information about it and and help you out that way too all cool. right i think that's uh that's all we got for today um, cool everybody go have their midday nap that's right <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast If you like listening to the Flowcast, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast platform. Also, be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating, as this helps more people interested in the topics find us. Send us your questions through email or social media through the FlowSpa accounts. You can find us at FlowSpaON on social media or FlowSpa.ca if you want to send us any questions for our Q&A episodes. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.